So this morning's reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verse 22, through to chapter 4, verse 1. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything, and do it not only when their eye is on you, and to curry their favour, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. Anyone who does wrong will be repaid for their wrongs, and there is no favoritism. Masters, provide your slaves with what is right and fair, because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Thank you. Well, good morning, everybody. It's really nice to see you all. Um, I don't take it for granted now, seeing so many faces on a Sunday morning after COVID. It's so lovely to see us all gathered. Um, and how children let us down when Paul asked this morning, how are you doing? How are you thinking about this morning? And I said, fine. And my daughter just went, no, you're not. He said, you had birthday. I said, shh, don't say that. Anyway, it's really nice to be with you and to be delving into Colossians again. Uh, so this morning, I think before I start, I want to take a minute just to think about what slavery was like in the first century, because I think we have all um, so much more awareness of the slave trade and its abolishment. We even have images of modern slavery, um, awful, awful images, and it's good that we should think about those and that we should take action where we can. But in the first century, um, slavery was really common. It was everywhere. It was very usual and typical for people to have slaves in their houses. People didn't become slaves because of their ethnicity or their race. They weren't kidnapped into slavery. It was poverty that drove them there. So some of these slaves would actually have been really highly trained, highly skilled people, and it wasn't necessarily the case that they would have remained in slavery forever. It wasn't a permanent situation for them. So also one other thing to say is, while a lot of these slaves would have been really poorly, badly treated, that was not necessarily the case for all of them. So I think it's just really important just to give us a bit of context there for our understanding this morning. And you might be wondering, why we're looking at a passage on slavery this morning, uh, because you might be thinking that it's not particularly relevant to you or to me. Uh, and I would say, well, let's blame Dave Richards for that, for giving this to me. But secondly, I would say that throughout this book, Paul has always, um, he's quite often spoken to really specific groups of people. So for example, last week, it was wives and husbands, uh, parents and children, and some of us might have thought that was not applicable to us. But I think even then, we think back to last week, and actually the points that he was making to these really specific groups, they had wider points for all of us. So there's applicable stuff um, for all of us in here this morning. So while we might not be actual slaves, we might feel that the daily grind has enslaved us. Perhaps we're under the authority of someone that we really struggle with, or perhaps we have somebody under our care who really frustrates us. And so this morning, I want to look at this passage with the general themes of authority and relationship. 
Because however we fill our days, we will all have relationships to navigate and systems or people to submit to, be they NHS waiting lists or a family pecking order maybe. Whatever our age or stage, there are authorities and relationships to negotiate. So this morning, we're going to have um, three main headings. I'm going to start by looking at our earthly masters. Our second point is looking at our heavenly master. And thirdly, mastering the heart. So earthly masters, heavenly master, mastering the heart. So let's start with earthly masters. And I want you to cast your minds back. For some of you, this will be longer than others. Cast your mind back to when you were in school. Uh, you're sitting in the classroom and your teacher just nips outside the classroom door just for a minute. I used to be a teacher in a previous life and I had a photocopier right outside my door. So I would quite often just nip out the door to get some printouts that I had forgotten her. And the minute I nipped out that door, what happened in the classroom? You can imagine, because it probably happened in your classroom too, somebody starts whispering and then... And the whispering builds, and then a few people start whispering, and then somebody starts chatting, and then usually some white boy starts shouting, or, you know, if the printer had been jammed and I was kind of stuck there, somebody would eventually get out their seat, like it would all build. But then the minute I came back in the room, what happened? Everyone just, heads down, pens up again. And actually, if that didn't happen, then I knew I was in trouble. (laughs) So, Paul knows us well here. So let's go to the passage. Um, obey your earthly masters. I want us to look at verse 22. So obey your earthly masters, but then let's look at what Paul says. Not only when their eye is on you and to curry favor. So often, life is about how we appear to other people. We might work extra hard before an exam when we've done very little all term. We might live in pretty... Uh, messy conditions, but then we'll give the house a little bit of a vacuum before somebody comes over. Uh, We might be sitting in our pyjama bottoms for Zoom calls, but then if we're going to a big meeting with people, we'll get dressed up really smartly. We try extra hard when our appearance is at stake. Why? Well, it's usually, often, because there's something in it for me. And we might say, no, that's not the case, that's not true. But let's have a think about that. It might be a material benefit. It might be that you're looking for a pay rise or a bonus. It might be that you want a promotion. It might be the status of that. It might actually just be that you want to be liked. You might want some respect. Paul is saying, no, don't just work hard when people are looking. Because these things are temporary. We know what it's like if you've maybe worked really hard for a boss and it's going really well and they know you well, you have a great working relationship, but then that boss leaves and gets a job somewhere else. And so you end up back at square one with a new boss that maybe doesn't get you. Or you might work with somebody for somebody whose mood changes day by day and you just never seem to be able to do the right thing. So Paul says in verse 24, It is the Lord Jesus Christ you're serving. And unlike these earthly masters, he does not change and his goalposts do not move. In Hebrews, we're told that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
So earthly masters, Paul's saying, yes, obey them, but don't be motivated to try and please just them for temporary gain. You will end up dissatisfied and it, it just won't last. And this applies right across the spectrum, I guess, because we've all met people who we might call work shy, and they do as little as possible in the workplace to get by. And we know how frustrating it can be to work with these people. And to these people, Paul is saying, no, you're working for the Lord. Do your best. You've been gifted with skills to do a good job. But then at the other end of the spectrum, we all know people who are complete workaholics and their entire identity is sewn up in the job that they do. And Paul is saying, yeah, it's really important to work hard and to do a good job, but your identity is in Christ. It's not in your job. It's not even in the vocation you've been given. It's in Christ. Balance. So we might be wondering why Paul, um, in this um, section of Colossians, isn't outraged by slavery. He's not speaking outrightly against it. Um, But I would say Paul is against slavery, and we can see that in the text. He's just going about it in a different way. The fact that he's addressing the slaves at all in this passage is really significant. Um, And he also addresses the slaves before he addresses the masters. He puts them first. He also spends more time speaking to the slaves than he does the masters. So he's really being countercultural and treating these slaves with dignity. You see, slavery back in the first century, it was a bit like car ownership. And if I was to um, suggest that we all just stop using cars... (laughs) That's not really going to happen. So in the same way, if he was to say, stop slavery, it was quite an unrealistic ask. But instead, he's showing them a better way, an alternative where all people are treated as equals. And this is shown in the story of Onesimus. I'm sure some of you will know it. It's in the book of Philemon. Philemon is another book in the New Testament, and it's only one chapter long, so you could read it later on today if you wanted to. Um, Onesimus was a slave um, to Philemon, but he ran away from Philemon's house. He ran away to Rome, he met Paul there, and he actually became a Christian. He was converted there. Now, at this time, Paul wrote two letters. He wrote this letter to the church in Colossae, which is the book of Colossians, but he also wrote a letter uh, to Philemon, to the house of Philemon, so just to this man. And then what he did with these letters was he asked Onesimus to deliver both of these letters. So rather than telling Onesimus, be free, enjoy your life in Rome, stay away from slavery, he's actually saying, be free in Christ. And because you're free in Christ, you can go back to serve uh, in Philemon's house bit of a game changer. So Onesimus can go and he can return to the position of slave under Philemon knowing that his real master is Christ. And it doesn't even stop there because we know that in the kingdom of God, everything is changed. Everything is transformed and redeemed. And so Paul, alongside this ask of Onesimus, he is inviting Philemon into a better way. In verse 16 of um, Philemon, it says this, that you might have him back, him being Onesimus, uh, back forever, no longer as a slave, but better 
than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. So he's saying, look at how Onesimus is willing to serve you. He is a brother in the Lord. And now maybe he can stay with you and you can treat him as a fellow man. Employment rather than slavery. And this example is so radical because it shows us that in the kingdom of God, slaves can be free because they're working for Christ. Looking at the life of Jesus, Onesimus can work knowing he's free in Christ, but Philemon as master, he's also free. He's free in Christ and he doesn't need to conform to the pattern of having slaves anymore. He's free to be radically different, so the system has a chance of changing. Paul also says in um, the first verse of chapter 4 that we had read to us, provide your slaves with what is right and fair. He does want to end slavery, and he's showing them an alternative way that they can live. He's reminding the masters also that they have a master. And this is more than a treat others as you want to be treated yourselves type message. This is where it's leading us into that model of servant leadership. And this is where I want to come on to the second point, looking at our heavenly master. So um, in verses 23 and 24, um, they both talk about working or serving God. So there's verse 23 as working for the Lord, and verse 24, it is Christ you are serving. So I wonder if what we know, what can we tell about this heavenly master? Well, first of all, in verse 25, it says he has no favorites. And I just think we need to take a minute to think about that. What does that really look like? Because I think we all have favorites in our everyday working lives. We know that there are people in our workplaces that we might get along with particularly well, or they might be particularly sympathetic to what we're trying to do. Maybe we bonded with them three years ago on that awful team building day that we had, or maybe we started on the same day. Maybe we have children the same age. There's something that might be a connection, and uh, we might know to go to them to get our photocopying done quickly or to get the budget passed through quickly. We use politics every day in the workplace, and we probably don't even think about it. Then there are others in the workplace who might seem awkward and keep themselves to themselves, and we maybe don't know how to work around those as well. Think about it. We might have a meeting before a meeting to make sure that people have our backs in the actual meeting. Or we might have a quiet word before the budget is released just to make sure that our department really does get the budget that we want it to. Or we might know the person that does the holiday rota and we go and have a quiet word with them to make sure that we can bag the week that we want before anybody else gets to it. Politics. With our heavenly master, there is no bias and there is no partiality. All are equal. We all have equal access to God's grace. And our relationships with others uh, should embody that. It's really countercultural. I wonder if we treat everybody we encounter as equals or are some more equal than others. Secondly, 
uh, with our Heavenly Master. Uh, there's an inheritance. We have an inheritance from the Lord, and we have an inheritance in the Lord. And this idea of inheritance would have been really mind-blowing um, for these slaves who had no rights of their own. They were not allowed to own any land. They were not allowed to get married. So the idea of an inheritance was huge. In the book of Psalms, Psalm 16 says that God is my portion and my cup, that he is a delightful inheritance. And this inheritance, unlike our temporary earthly gains, is eternal. These slaves, they're not being offered a lump sum, a cash lump sum that will eventually run out. But with so much in this book of Colossians, they're being taken back to Christ. Their inheritance is Christ. And we might think freedom in Christ for these slaves, really? Well, let me read this to you. It's a quote from Rowan Williams, um, who used to, it should be coming up on the screen. There we go. It's quite long, but I will read it all because I think it's brilliant. Live in Jesus' company, and you become a citizen of a new world, the world in which God's rule has arrived. You will still be living in the everyday world in which many other powers claim to be ruling, but you will have become free of them, free to cooperate or not, depending on how far they allow you to be ruled by God. And what you do and say will become a sign of what's coming. Your life will give a foretaste of God's rule. Living our lives as a foretaste of God's rule. If we are Christians, we have been changed and we are being changed. Every day, we can be becoming more and more like Jesus. And we have the hope of all that's to come in his kingdom. That's what it looks like to have Christ as our inheritance. So our heavenly master then, he has no favorites and he is our inheritance. Finally, let's look at what Paul is saying about mastering the heart, because he mentions the heart a couple of times in this passage. And I wonder, how do we work with all our hearts? How many of us have tried to work with all our hearts to be better employees, to be better employers, to be better people in general to those around us? And maybe like me, you never quite managed to be that better person you're dreaming of. One commentary translates this word heart um, as the desire producer that makes us tick. The desire producer that makes us tick. And I really like that. So if we're working for the desire producer that makes us tick, I wonder what makes us tick. And often it's the temporary motivations pleasing the people to earn the money to get the things. That's not a bad thing, um, but if it's our number one goal that will leave us wanting, we can so easily forget that we are living not for these earthly and temporary gains. If we've learned anything from our time in the book of Colossians, we know that it's Jesus. It's not the earthly things, it's Jesus the servant leader who is our inheritance and who's gone before. And I wonder if we're allowing Jesus to shape this desire producer that makes us tick our hearts. Um, 
I mentioned earlier that I was a teacher in a previous life, and uh, sometimes, I'm sure there are teachers among us here this morning, you'll know what I mean, when sometimes there are points in the term and you're just flagging, and the routines of the bells ringing and you jumping to each class as they come in the door, uh, it's, it's quite tiring and it's quite hard. And I used to try and think, oh, come on, you need to work with all your heart for the Lord, and how am I going to do this? And to try and help me do this, I, a friend told me, you know, you should pray for each class as they come in. That might really help you. <laughs> so I used to try, as a, I was a high school teacher, so they would come and go every hour. And as they would come at the start of each hour, I'd think, right, I'm going to pray for this class as they come in the door. And as each child would come in, I would pray um, for each child and try and really be working for the Lord. Now, sometimes, admittedly, these prayers would be things like, just let them not kick off today. Or, please, Lord, it would be really lovely if they actually were not in today. That would be really helpful. <laughs> Confession, I did actually pray those prayers sometimes. Uh, over time, though, those prayers changed. Lord, would you help me know what they need today? Would you give me the patience that I need today? Would you help me serve them well today? Prayer. Entering into relationship with Jesus, it might not shift our circumstances, but it will change us. And I'm not saying that I became a brilliantly engaged teacher. (laughs) And if I did teach anybody in this room, I apologize openly and publicly. Um, I didn't skip into school every day, but I was taking Jesus into work with me. And did he make, did he answer my prayer and make all the difficult children stay at home on those days that I prayed? No. But did he open my eyes to see glimpses of his goodness and glimpses of my inheritance in him? Yeah, he absolutely did. And in those moments, I was reminded that I was working for the Lord. And that reframed everything, changes everything. So Paul is saying, yes, work well. Obey your earthly masters, knowing that we have a heavenly master who is our inheritance. And I want to finish this morning just thinking about the week ahead. And as we think of some of the work that we'll be doing, wherever that is, and some of the people that we will be leading or serving, how can we bring something of God's kingdom with us there? A foretaste of the rule um, into our everyday. How can we work for the Lord even when nobody is watching us? I'm going to invite uh, the band up now and uh, we'll just pray together. So maybe if I could ask you just to stand for a moment with me. Lord God, I just want to um, thank you that you are our inheritance. And that can be a really lofty thought. That can be really a hard thing for us to pin down and think about what that means. But I just ask this morning that you would give us a real um, grasp of what it means for us to live as your children. 
And I want to ask that you would give us a vision for the eternal things, that as we're working in the day-to-day, you would help us to grasp something of the eternal, of our inheritance. And I want to pray for each person here today as we enter a new week, whether it's at the office, at the kitchen table, in the garden shed, on the shop floor, in the classroom, the building site, the hospital ward, even if our workplace takes us to a crime scene. Lord, would you come with us? Would you help us not to leave you at home? Help us to live into our inheritance and show us how we can be people of your kingdom, bringing hope and life to even the darkest situations. Would we be open to your leading and your prompting now, Lord? We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.